Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, welcome everybody to this Liberty Through Christ Law. This is episode three. Thanks for showing up. Part two from government who is really in authority. I'm going to go over some review to bring them up to speed or just to remind us. I'm going to go over some of the names or titles that are used in the Old Testament and show how that ties into what we're talking about, government. But the first title I'm going to go into is Lord in all capital letters which scholars tell us they categorize it as the tetragrammaton. Okay, if you guys see in the chat there. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I got this from the Strong's Recordance, so it's it's good to be able to see it yourselves to follow along, because sometimes it gets a little technical. I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible. But the first Hebrew word there is, it's represented by four Hebrew letters, which is, in the English, is Y-H-V-H. Some people say Y-H-W-H. The Hebrew is actually yud heh vav Now, the Strong's pronounce it as Yehovah. There's many people out there that pronounce it very different ways. Uh, I'm not going to get into that on this episode, but just know that when you see in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at some examples, when you see in the Old Testament, Lord in all capital letters, it represents the meaning is the eternal. That's how it's expressed in English. If you look at the next word there, it's Lord in capital L, lowercase O-R-D, and represented in the Hebrew, it's Adonai or Adon. And you can see the definitions there. Primarial means Lord, Master, Owner, and so on. The next word is God, which is in the singular, which is El, which means mighty or power or an authority. And then the next one is God as well, but it's Elohim. It's in the plural, but it's interesting because it's also in the superlative. And I looked up um, superlative in a dictionary, synonyms for it. And this is what I'm going to try to do. Just This is just for me. I say God a lot. And lately, I've been giving it some thought of God. It's very ambiguous. And it's not. Um, it's the emphatic. I'm trying to get used to saying Elohim or El and or the English equivalent, rather than saying God, because God is so ambiguous. Uh, a lot of religions use the word God, so the meaning uh, is, well, it, it can get kind of clouded. So I'm trying to get in the habit of saying Elohim, or what it means, the English, which is basically the supreme authority, the supreme ruler, or the supreme governor, and so on and so forth. That word Elohim could also be used for false gods, and we'll look at some example. We'll look at an example of that, so you can see it in context. But Elohim in the plural and the superlative. If you look there, I put some synonyms for it. If, if you just put in there, let's say you use ruler and you use the superlative of magnificent. 
So that word Elohim can be magnificent ruler or wonderful ruler, marvelous ruler, supreme authority, outstanding governor. It's all synonymous. But the most important thing is understanding exactly what that means, because we have to understand who we are addressing. The first example I'm going to give on that, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 7, verses 6 and 7, it says, if you look there, it says, I, if you, I mean, if you have a Bible, you could also turn to it and look at it in the text yourself. But it says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. We see right there, Lord in all capital letters, and God, capital G, lowercase O-D. So what I do is when I read it, I just read it like this. I am the eternal, your supreme authority or supreme ruler. Just so it gets in my mind and in my soul who I'm addressing, because it can get lost when we just look at the English just for what it is. So it's, I am the eternal, your supreme authority, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage. Now check this out in Deuteronomy uh, chapter five, verse seven. Thou shall have no other gods before me. We see gods there, obviously in English, it's lowercase g-o-d-s, but that's the same as Elohim, and that means authority. So I would read it like this. I am the eternal, your supreme authority, and so forth. You shall have no other authorities before me. That speaks a lot to me rather than saying gods and not knowing what gods mean there. So as we're talking about government, who is really an authority, we could see here the eternal makes, and again, I'm going to try to, instead of saying Lord on the context, either the eternal or master and so forth. Let me go to another example. Here's a derivative, how it's a little bit different. I'm going to put up a scripture from Ezekiel. And this, this, is just, this is just to illustrate what I'm talking about. So when you're reading the scripture, you'll have an idea of what you're dealing with. This is Ezekiel 2.4, where I'm copying and pasting. It's not doing the book, chapter, and verse. But it's Ezekiel 2.4. But we see there, it says at the end of the verse, it says, Thus says, saith the Lord God. That's different than, these other, than the other verses we looked at. In this verse, we see that Lord is capital L, lowercase O-R-D, and God's all capital letters. That word Lord there, Ezekiel is using not the tetragrammaton of yud heh vav heh which means the eternal. He's using Lord, which is Adonai, which is ruler or master. And God there, in all capital letters, is a derivative of the tetragrammaton. It's just pronounced a little different. It's uh, pronounced Yehovi, but it still means the same thing, the eternal. So he's saying, thus says the ruler or the eternal ruler. He just says it a little different. So when you read, in, you, if you use the authorized version, now you know when you see these, the way it's um, laid out, you know what they mean. Hopefully you'll, you'll remember. But I wanted to go over that little bit of review from when we look at these other scriptures that we're dealing with. A government who's really an authority, the essential meaning for government is a compound word, which govern means to rule. And meant means the action. So it's the action of ruling or what is authority. So when we're dealing with the word of God, we deal with our beliefs. It's really an issue of who's an authority because who's ever an authority that you recognize as a rightful authority, well, you're more inclined to obey. You're more inclined to pay attention to what that authority says or what that authority is all about. When we deal with authority in the Bible, we see that God is declaring that he is the supreme authority. And any authority under him engaged in the action of ruling, the eternal gives specific requirements 
for those authorities that should be under the supreme authority to operate. And this is where I wanted to start on the part two of what we spoke about last week. So I want to go to Romans 13, 1 through 4. Now, we're just going to be concentrating on 1 through 4. So we're going to look at these scriptures. We're going to dissect them to a certain degree, and then we're going to look at other scriptures to support that to show who is really in authority. Yes, we know, or some, those of us who believe in Lord Jesus Christ, believe that he is the supreme authority, but we need to know specifically what the scriptures say to enforce that and give us confidence. Because as I learned these things, for me, it wasn't a matter of just learning them. It was a matter of putting them into practice. And how do you apply if Jesus Christ is the supreme authority? What does that mean for one's daily life and how he interacts with the people around him and the authorities, the supposed authorities that are around him that are demanding from him many things? So after learning these scriptures, I just started questioning the validity of these other authorities that are trying to push the supreme authority out and not listen to them. But let's look at his word for instruction and, and see what he says. So Romans 13, verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power resists the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he bears not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Now, there's been a lot of commentaries on this section of scripture. There's, but it basically boils down to two viewpoints. One viewpoint is what I term as the statist Christian viewpoint. That viewpoint is basically, it's a, it's a, it's a believer that believes the political systems are the ultimate authority under Elohim and has to be unquestionably obeyed, meaning that they are the God underneath God. We, need, we have to obey the God that the supreme God has put in place without questioning it, without anything else. The other view is that there is no supreme authority that's valid, but only Jesus' Christ's kingdom. So if we look at the first verse says, let every soul be subject into the higher powers. You know, for the first 13 years as a Christian, I believed in the status view because I didn't, I didn't know any different. I didn't know what the scriptures said regarding what a true righteous government is until you, know, you sit down and you study it. I hear, heard things here and there, but until I started looking into it myself and examining the scriptures, I came away with a very different viewpoint that the only supreme authority is the creator, is the eternal creator, 
and that eternal creator declares himself in what is called the Holy Bible. But anyway, if we look at let every soul be subject into higher powers, that word power there is a very interesting word. In the Greek, it's exousia, which means now these are the basic I'm gonna give you the basic meaning of it to give an idea of it, but it simply means authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, or strength. Repeat that. Authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, or strength. So it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher authorities or the higher liberties, that which is right, for there's no right or authority but of God. Now, that word God there in the Greek is theos, which means the supreme divinity or the supreme authority, like in the Old Testament like Elohim, the powers or the authority or liberty or rights that are ordained, that be or ordained of the supreme authority. Whosoever resists the authority or the right or the liberties, the, that which is right, resists the ordinance of the supreme authority. And they that shall resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, keep that in mind. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. That's pretty self-explanatory. Will thou then be afraid of the power or the authority or that which is right, that which is gives liberty? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. So Paul here, in my estimation, is giving a design of what true government is. He's not speaking here what some people may think of Roman government, the Roman government, or he's not speaking of I don't believe he's speaking of earthly governments. And if he is speaking of any of any earthly governments, they have to follow these requirements. And if they don't, they are being culpable and ignoring the supreme authority and how he says government should be um, executed. Anyway, so let's go look at some scriptures in the Old Testament to expand what we're looking at here. Let's go to Isaiah 33, 22. Right here declares, for the eternal is our judge, the eternal is our lawgiver, the eternal is our king. He will save us. So right there we see that law, executing that law and determining whether the law is right or wrong comes from the eternal. That's where it originates. If we go to Exodus 18, starting at verse 20, we're going to look at 20 and 21. Here's some more instruction on in how government should operate. Thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shall show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men such as fear God. So the first requirement for rightful government, for men who are going to be in positions of authority, they have to fear God. They have to fear the supreme authority. They have to be, next, is men of truth. They have to be ones who believe in the word of God. They must understand the word of God, and they must know how to apply it. And if they don't, they must have the desire to seek the supreme authority to find out how to execute his word in executing righteousness and justice. And the, the other requirement is hating covetousness. So the, here we see there's some three basic characteristics or requirements to lead or to, be, to execute authority properly. Fear God. Be a man of truth and hate covetousness. 
The next one is, go to 2 Samuel 23, 2-3. It says, the spirit of the eternal spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The supreme authority of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me, he that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. Another scripture, Psalm chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. Here's some instructions. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the eternal with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and all, of, and all of you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So they're what? Kings and judges are commanded to serve the eternal with fear. Fear is having respect. It's having reverence for the supreme authority, who he is and what he says. Next scripture, Deuteronomy 16, 18. Judges and officers shall thou make thee in all thy gates, which the eternal, thy supreme authority giveth thee throughout thy tribes. And they shall judge the people with just judgment. They're being commanded that using just judgment, which is God's word, is the only way they should judge the people. Next scripture, Deuteronomy 17. Thou shalt not in any wise set him king over thee. Now, this is instructions for the kings, because when this scripture was given, it was actually prophetic several hundred years later when the nation of Israel rejected their supreme authority and they wanted an earthly authority over them. Even God in his compassion, his infinite wisdom, is giving instructions here for the, go for the governing of the king. It says, Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the eternal, your supreme authority, shall choose. One from among your brothers shall you set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. So, and, and I'm going to point this out even more in Romans. We're going to look to it. A king, if he's going to rule and have authority, he must have those requirements of fearing God, loving the truth, hating covetousness, but he needs to be a believer. And we're going to point that out further. And it shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. This is the law of God. This is the law of Christ. He must have a copy of this law. In verse 19, it shall be with him, and he shall read it therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the eternal, his supreme authority, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Why? That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 13, and we're going to plug this in. So we see the basic requirements for proper, lawful, righteous, righteous authority. Number one, they need to fear the eternal. Number two, they need to be men of the truth. Number three, they need to hate covetousness. Number four, they need to have a copy of the law written in a book, and they need to read it every day so they don't exalt themselves above their brethren. So they're not filled up with greed and pride and suppress and oppress and tyrannize their brethren and the people. So in Romans chapter 13, verse 4, it says, For he is the minister of God, to thee for good. Now here's the key. 
a minister of God, the minister there is a Greek word, it's called diakonos, and that means one who serves. It's actually a Christian teacher and pastor. It's a minister, it's a servant. It's the one that waits on tables, who's an attendant. But the, the main point of that is that he is a believer in the supreme authority, and it's for your good. We see most of the governments today, especially the government, so-called government, or government inc., even though they want to set themselves up in authority, and they only set themselves up in authority by contracting with us, the people, and in this country, the people are really not, and there's more that can be said on this, but the people in this country are not, they're not the, the, the sovereigns, they're not the supreme authority, like where it says in the Constitution that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Well, I don't believe that. I believe that God's word, Christ's law, is the supreme law of the land. He is because he's the supreme authority. And a lot of the problems we're facing today is because we have a people that are not people of the word. They don't fear God. Now, those instructions just aren't for leaders. Those instructions and characteristics should be of his people as well. Even though you may not be a leader in a, a, a certain thing, but you still we're still commanded to fear God. We're still, you know, to hate covetousness. We should love the truth. We should be have a copy of his word, and we should be in it every day that we're finding out from him how we should be handling things, but we live in a society today that these corporations set them up as then set themselves up as the supreme authority, and they reject the supreme authority's authority, if that makes any sense. And my experience when I started getting into this and questioning it, especially because I stopped paying income taxes and don't have a license, driver's license and insurance and all other stuff, my business isn't, it's outside of that system. Because I believe that I'm not, I'm not subject to that system because that system doesn't subject itself to the supreme authority for my good or for others' other good. So my whole point is I would get a lot of resistance from other believers saying, well, wait a second. I mean, God sets up civil government that you're required to obey. And if you're not obeying, you're, well, you're disobeying God. You're disobeying Elohim, who commands you to do that. And I used to think that too, but one of the key things I looked at is verse 4 in Romans 13 is that it's interesting that other believers will take that position, but they forget about verse 4. If they're looking at, for example, if they do believe that the civil government is legitimate, they forget about this verse, meaning that those who are in that government that they recognize— well, they should be ministers of Elohim. They should be serving Elohim first, rather even before the people. They, sh they should be learning what he wants them to do before them doing whatever they want to conjure up to do. And because of this, the, I mean, the church will not hold these corporations. Well, you know, most believers that I talk to that have that type of status view, they won't hold the government, those corporations accountable. We'll just say government. They won't hold them accountable for things that they, they're doing outside of their lawful limits. Why? Because they forget that those people are should be ministers of God for our good. They should be serving the Lord, which they don't do. And that's a big problem. That's why I say, okay, well, they're not serving the Lord. 
I know that I have this freedom because it says right in verse one, which it can be rendered this way. Let every soul be subject unto the higher liberties, for there is no liberty but from God. The liberties that be are ordained of God. That liberty or that right is the power, is the authority, is the jurisdiction. I don't have to have a driver's license. I don't have a fishing license. I don't have to have a business license. I don't have to have a marriage license. Why? Because I already have the power. I have the liberty from Elohim to, to live without that. The law is to live trusting Elohim. For example, if I start a business, I don't need the quote-unquote state's permission to do anything. Why? Because it says, let every soul be subject. Let every soul be subject. That means me, that's every other man. Unto what? The higher liberties. Because if these people in Government Inc. understood this, if they understood what liberty was, they'd understand what true jurisdiction is, and they wouldn't be tyrannizing the people. They wouldn't be de unlawfully demanding things from people. They'd be teaching the truth. Why? Because they fear the supreme authority. Because if you don't fear the supreme authority, you're not going to come to know the truth anyway. So these people who are put in these positions are just going to keep working evil and what they're doing is wrong. But the important thing is we need to know what authority we are under. We need to understand what that authority is. I mean, a slave knows who, what authority he's under even though he doesn't have a choice whether to obey or, dis obey or disobey. But we know who we serve. We should know who we serve. We should know who we believe in and how that affects our lives. I want to read, I found this on the internet, you know, searching around, surfing around. I, have, I wasn't really looking for this, but I came across this and I thought it was pretty good. This is basically the primary mindset of uh, what I call corporate entity today. It's the state incorporated nonprofit organizations who pose as true churches, which I believe are not. But anyway, I'll post this real quick so you guys could take a look at it. This is a quote of some guy. Oh, I was checking out uh, taking oaths and stuff in court. I was just doing a little bit of study on oaths and swearing oaths, and I came across this. It says, finally, as to the Pledge of Allegiance, there is nothing in the historic pledge that is at variance with the principles of Christianity. It is simply an affirmation of devotion to the laws of the government under which we live. This is entirely consistent with the instructions of Romans 13.1, which enjoins obedience and respect for the powers that be. That is the status mindset. That is the mindset that says whatever a government says we should do, but he gives, he, he gives a little disclaimer at the, the next paragraph. It says, of course, one's allegiance to his nation is always subservient to his loyalty to God. And whenever the two come into conflict, obedience to the Lord takes precedence. Well, he's correct, but it starts at the fact is that we don't just submit to any man claiming to have authority over us. We have to understand, you know, what that is. And also, too, I, you know, another thing I experience is believers tout you have to obey the law. Meanwhile, they don't even know what the law is. If you would ask, well, what specific law are you talking about? And how am I subject to that? There's only crickets. There's no answer. I was told several times from several people, you have to obey the supreme law of the land. Simple question is, well, what specifically is the supreme law? Well, I don't know what it is. Well, how can I do anything? There was no answer. 
So a lot of people who purport to be obeying the government is just crazy because what are you going to do? There's thousands of laws on the book and I on the books and I guarantee if you ask anybody to name five of those laws, they wouldn't be able to do it, let alone know what they are, and then imposing that on, on other people. Anybody have any comments or, you know, if, if somebody just has a different view, I mean, I definitely welcome it. You know, it's always good to share views and try to ascertain getting down to the truth or if you have a different perspective. The, the stuff you went through, Peter, was very well laid out, and I... Uh, for me, anyway, I mean, I've been looking at Romans 13 a long time, having these debates with people, and for some reason, they have a really difficult time seeing what you what you've outlined, which has always been my point of view because because I rely I think I rely more on my intuition about what's right and what's wrong than I do on my brain or my heart, you know, my ego or my feelings. And I think there's a willingness to suffer the consequences of, you know, doing what you've outlined, okay, being, you know, not so uh, popular with the with the in crowd or with the people you hang out with. For some reason, that seems to be such a huge problem with other people, and I think it's got to do with how they just don't want to change. They don't. They're in denial that they are absolutely off point. And I really, I can't tell you how much I appreciate what you just laid out. I mean, it really, I absolutely agree that that's exactly, uh, I would like to see a notice put together for somebody like me, you know, who, if I go to court, I would put a notice in that I submit myself to your authority if you are in line with the higher authority. And, in, you know, that kind of a, of a notice with, with the scripture involved and, and, and all outlined, I mean, pretty much exactly the way you put it. Because I, along with, an, you know, I noticed that I'm an idiot to the legal society, which I think is primary, which, you know, which is essentially saying the same thing with, you know, much fewer words, to have something like you just outlined to describe it in much more detail, uh, I, I think you're, you know, being in court with that kind of a notice and saying, look, this is my authority, and if you wish to have authority over me, then these are your, these are your, you know, this, these are the qualifications you need to meet. And so, you know, who are you to me in, in my world and in this kingdom that I live in? You know, that kind of stuff is extremely powerful. I think it's in Second Thessalonians. It, it talks about preaching the word and how the way it had effect on people was because it was the power of the word. It's the power of truth. And when you're when you know the truth and you know how to stand in it in power and in faith, it's not really. It shouldn't really be us that is the main force. It's the word. Like when I. When I put a, a notice into the court about asking who the man or woman is and making the claim that I caused them harm, injury, or loss, I put scripture in there, which was Romans 13, 8, says, oh, no man, anything but the dead of love. And because that is law, 
because it, it's saying like if you do that you've fulfilled the law what are they going to say are they going to accuse you of not loving someone well if they do that they got a they got a huge issue on their hands because like you said we're coming from a different perspective see that's a kingdom the way what we're dealing with today with with these governments whether it's national state or local they're all setting themselves up as an authority i know when i was in uh different fellowships i would hear the mantra that we need to pray for our leaders who are an authority and i'm like wait a minute first of all according to the word of god they are not leaders they should be ministers as it says in romans chapter 13 verse 4 when i went over they're ministers of god they should be servants first of all of elohim are they servants of Elohim? Well, no, they're not. So then how are they leaders? How do they have authority over you? Because the scripture says that the only one that should have authority over us no, is the not. supreme authority. So it's, it's, it's really a battle of the kingdoms. Which kingdom are you going to stand in? Which kingdom are you going to pro proclaim that you're in? Because for me, it's, it's not like a religious philosophy. It is, it is life. That's, that's what life is. This is how life is lived. That's how life should be lived. It should be lived by the, the royal law, which if you look in James chapter 125, that's one of the scriptures. That's one of the scriptures for this uh, show is that whosoever looks at the perfect law of liberty and continues therein and is not a forgetful hearer, but he is a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in all of his deed or in whatever he does. And there's another scripture in James. I think it's in chapter two, verse eight. I'm not sure. I'm just going off of memory. It says, if you fulfill the royal law, which is love thy neighbor as yourself, ye do well. That's the, that's the, because we could get into the nitty gritties of law, especially when we talk about, things of the Christian faith. You have a lot of people that go back to the Old Testament law or what is called the Torah, which the Torah in Hebrew uh, there's, it means instruction or the way to walk. A lot of people go to the Torah to look at the specifics of how we conduct ourselves, which is nothing wrong with that. That could be a whole other program. But we forget about the royal law. The scripture says the royal law is what? It's love, is to first love the supreme authority and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because, and that's simple. The New Testament just simplifies the totality of the Torah, the totality of God's law. Because if you're going to love in the power that the supreme authority gives you, you're not going to cause harm or injury or loss to your neighbor. And if you do, most likely it will be um, unintentional and you will be honorable enough to meet your responsibilities and reimburse that that man or woman if it is true so there's there's, there's no need for a lot of the stuff that goes on today in, a, in our just system of living it just simplifies things but one of the reasons why people reject the fact of living this way i want to read a scripture it's mark mark chapter 8 verse 35 for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. 
you know, we are we do we really believe what we claim to believe? Am I willing to lose my life for the gospel's sake? Like the, the like the rights that we have, like you know, we can move on the roads without being licensed and taxes and all that stuff. That's not the issue. The issue primarily are we willing to learn the truth and actually live it, even to the point of losing things. I've I've lost much in walking this way, but God is Elohim's also say I said God, I'm so used to it, cultural thing, but Elohim has blessed me tenfold. I don't rely on the blessing, but and that's not the issue. The issue is what is our mindset? Are we willing to give up all that we are for his sake? Or we just like just want fire insurance? Oh, I believe I just believe Jesus. Oh, when I'm done, I'm going to heaven. Some people believe that the kingdom is in the future for when Jesus comes back. I don't believe that. I believe the kingdom is now. And he wants to live in and through us to affect those people around us, or at least witness to them of who the proper authority is, whether they listen or not, you know, that's not the point. You know, having this proper understanding of what government is, hopefully it should empower people. And I've said this on the other programs, like there's no silver bullet. There's no like, even if you take this view, it's not like you're not gonna get harassed. You may get thrown in jail, but it, it doesn't matter because if, you, if you're walking with, the, with Elohim, the supreme authority, it's kind of strange saying that, I'm just not used to it. I'm trying to get used to it. That, that doesn't matter because when you have a relationship with him and you understand like you have all the strength you need, you have all, all the joy you could possibly have, the peace, like the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, temperance, meekness. Th these are things that we, we don't have to strive to attain. They're already given to us. We just need to appropriate them. For example, this may not seem relevant, or it may, but I'm just going to throw it out there because I'm thinking of it right now, is uh, that a lot of people in the world have a problem with drugs. Why are they taking drugs? It could be of various reasons. They're depressed, uh, they're suicidal, you know, something just happened to them and they're just sad or they're just empty, which people don't understand the supreme authority that he has of rules that you don't need to get trapped in that. Because if you're part of his kingdom, you're part of his government, you start to learn the principles of that government. And you get to appropriate. That's what Jesus says. Unless you become converted like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you can't even see it. So a man needs to be born again. He needs to be converted like a child in order to be able to profit from what those kingdom principles are, which is very different from the world. So you have people taking drugs, try to attain peace, happiness, get rid of stress from their life, get some relief in their life, where Elohim gives it for free. Jesus gives it for free. All you need to do is appropriate that for one's life. That is, that is a kingdom principle. It's kingdom laws. It's not just all this legal stuff or court stuff or statute stuff. It's an overall life. It's lifestyle. And it's not like one strives to live that way. It only comes from a relationship. And I, I'm getting kind of on a roll here. I think this is important because uh, maybe some of you guys are struggling with this. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you guys are the branches. If you abide in me, I will abide in you, my Father will abide in you, and you'll bear much fruit to the glory of the Father. But if you don't do that, you're just going to wither up 
and and fade away. Like I'm just paraphrasing. If you want to go to it yourself to check it out, it's that relational thing. It's not it's not a religious thing or just some philosophical idea. Like for example, Laura, I'm I'm pretty depressed here. You know, my I just got divorced or my child just got sick and died. I mean, it's some pretty serious stuff. But if we pay attention to the laws of the kingdom, if the Lord's giving you joy and you're not joyful, well, what's the problem there? If the Lord's already given you peace, but you're not capitalizing on that and saying, wait a second, I've already got peace. I just need to walk in it. I'm having a lot of problems with this dude over here. I want to clock his head off. But the Lord's already given you love. It's just a matter of understanding what those things are and appropriating it in your life. That was a lot there. That was really good. I mean, the Lord has everything that we need for this life. We don't need anything from some, well, I don't think, and I've lived on both sides. I don't think I need anything from an earthly government, nothing whatsoever. I don't depend on them for nothing. And it's true because for the first 28, mm, first 40 years of my life, I did depend on that government because that's what I thought. That's what I was taught, that that is the authority until I was introduced to the supreme authority and started learning from him and realizing I really don't need any of that. For the past 10 years, almost 11 years, I've lived primarily out of that system. And I see that I, I'm, I don't depend on any of that, that earthly government, nothing. The Lord provides everything for me. I'd rather it be that way than, than the other way. Um. You know, I don't agree. I don't disagree at all. And what you said about, you know, you've got peace and you need to learn to walk in it. That as time goes by and as uh, as I've become worn out with the battle and then doing, you know, it, it's, uh, it's really important for me to remember to continue to walk in it because I do have it and I do I do speak it. Yeah, it's all about standing alone because that's what you're really doing. We're in a what's called a Christian nation. Not that you know, I don't agree that it's a nation at all. I believe it's a confederation of union states, you know, like the European Union, and uh, each state is its own, you know, entity, its own uh, what they would call sovereign entities. Beyond that, you know, we're supposed to be this Christian nation, yet everybody who supposedly is Christian refuses to stand up for what they believe in, unless it's a popular thing like, you know, abortion or, uh, you know, what, uh, I don't know what they're stand, what they're willing to stand up for. I don't pay a whole lot of attention anymore, but it, it seems the, the, the simple issues for, uh, well, I'll give you an example. I've got a friend who's got a dog and uh it's just a nice dog you know i forget what kind it is but her son went over to do something for her and the dog bolted and she lives out in the country sort of i mean on the edge of town and uh so this uh the the dog's outside he can't get the dog in he needs to get back to work i guess he was there at lunchtime or something the cops drive by see the dog loose sitting in the yard he's just minding his own business and they call the dog pound they picked him up and now the dog's at the shelter and she got him from a guy that a chip put into the dog, and now the dog you know, has this chip that doesn't belong to her, and they're claiming that she stole the dog and all this stuff. Besides, despite the fact there's been no criminal court that the dog's ever been stolen, you know, and they're just giving her a hard time, and, and she can't prove the shots are not up to date. And by the time she left there, 
it was 650 bucks to get a dog back who had not run away. He was just in his own yard. And so uh, her other son is telling her how he's going to chew out his younger brother for letting the dog out. And her other son's a multimillionaire. Uh, he's very influential in the area that, where they live and you know, a very large business. Instead of getting, you know, going to the dog pound or the, the, the animal shelter, whatever you want to call it, and giving them a hard time or giving the police a hard time for theft and extortion, he's going to go after his brother and chew his brother out for letting the dog out, which is what dogs do when you open the door. They bolt. That's what they do. All right, so you're going to blame your brother instead of putting the responsibility on the people that are stealing from you, okay? <clears throat> and that's where I find your typical man to be absolutely spineless. And to that end, I find myself standing alone. And, and she's telling me it's not like that. You know, and then you know, I said, really? That, that is, you know, we had this two-hour, three-hour discussion, texting back and forth, you know, just it was mild. They got to the point where I told her, I said, look, you know, I don't know you that well, but I'd be willing to go to the dog pond with you tomorrow morning and stand up for you. How many of your friends are willing to do the same? Because if you don't have friends that are willing to stand with you against extortion, then you don't have friends. And that's, it's that simple. You better be ready to stand alone. Yeah. Walking this way that, that that's going to happen. I know for a fact, nobody that I've talked to over the years in my so-called circle of influence wants no part of this type of viewpoint from the scriptures. Of course, the things of the flesh could wear on someone about the loneliness and whatnot. But, but I just thank Elohim because I go back to the word of God where he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If my well-being has to be dependent on other people, I'm just, I'll be a, just a miserable wretch. If someone's not going to like me for my viewpoint, that's, oh, he doesn't like me. I'm going to go into a tizzy and be depressed and whatnot. I don't care because I've learned from the word of God. I've learned a kingdom principle that Elohim, the eternal, will never leave me nor forsake me. Because the Lord's at my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. And there's so much other scripture in there to just comfort us and encourage us and strengthen us, regardless that nobody's around us. I've gone through so much stuff without any direct help or support around me. Like I'd look on the internet or Gus, I found you. And, you know, I read about your testimonies and other people's testimonies, which, which were great. They were strengthening and encouraging, but I, I don't have anybody like by my side. If I'm going to go to court, do I have somebody there to be a witness or two people to be a witness? No, I don't. I don't let that stop me from still because my understanding is it's just an opportunity to trust the Lord. It's okay, Lord, I don't have anybody around me. If you don't show up to help me, I'm done. I'm done. Because I, I don't look at myself as saying, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, th this great, I have just great strength on my own. No way. No, I, I don't, because that's just pride. That's lifting some yourself up. And the scriptures say that if you exalt yourself, you're going to get humbled. You humble yourself, you're going to get exalted. Walking with the Lord and just learning what his stuff, that's great. You know, like I said, the show is to help people who are going. I mean, it, it, this is a serious issue. Like, for example, you, some of you guys know I'm dealing with property taxes on this house that I just got. And I think I'm going to be getting delinquent notices in the next month or so. That's 
serious business. I don't care what anybody says. That's where the rubber meets the road. Here are these people demanding things. What are you going to do? Either you're going to cave and acquiesce, or you're going to say, wait a minute. You guys are out of line. You, you guys are committing fraud and extortion. If you can't, you know, and try and try to maintain the position of being a believer in Jesus Christ while you're going through that. That's something different than someone who's relying on statutes, trying to figure out through their system how to get redress or to get justice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what, what can we learn from the Word of God specifically that's going to, again, I don't know how they're going to react, but I don't care. But how am I going to make my stance or position known from what I believe? I can't say I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word and go through this and ignore him and ignore his authority while I'm going through all this. I'm looking for answers in all these other authorities rather than his authority. Something is amiss there. I'm not really believing what I proclaim to believe. And this is what I'm saying. This is a whole different way of living. It's a whole different way of dealing with things. And, uh, you know, I hope this show just through what you go through, through what I go through, what somebody else goes through, hopefully there's scriptural support for that. Because if there's not, it's just vanity. It's just worthless. Like if we go to John chapter 15, this settles it for me. You look at this and then you can weigh, well, is this true or not? Let's look at, because if, if you're claiming that Jesus is Lord, that we're Lord there, if we're dealing with the New Testament, just get a little technical, so we're nowhere on the same page, that Greek word is kodios, which means master. And the word also says that we are his servants, which that word is doulos, which is actually a slave. A slave doesn't have the, the position to go, well, I'm going to do this, no, I'm going to do that. The wise man is going to seek Jesus and say, what do you want me to do? You know, in the media, it was mocked. You know, it was, there was this thing going around several years ago, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And it got mocked in the, in the, you know, in the media and, and, and whatnot. But it's seriously, what, what, what would Jesus do? What would he have me to do? But if I'm looking at all these things saying, for me, every choice that I make is going to have an eternal consequence. And that could be a, another lesson. I'm just trying to explain my train of thought here. So if Jesus says to me in John 15, uh, where is it at? Oh, here it is. I'll post it here. Now, you know, I just recommend you look at the scriptures around it in context, but I'm just posting this just as a focal point. Jesus said, now, Jesus is cool. He's like, he makes these declarations. Either you believe him or you don't. There's no middle ground. So he says, I am the vine, ye, plural, all of you are the branches. He that abides or remains or makes his home in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. Then he says, for without me, you can do nothing. All these people that are going through these court cases and doing their common law thing or they're doing their other things without Jesus, it's worthless. Now, people may get mad at me because I say that. I don't care. I'm saying that because Jesus says it. He says, without me, all of you can do nothing. It's worthless. And that should be sobering for the person who professes Christ to say, wait a minute. 
What does my supreme authority say in this situation, how I can handle it? I told you guys about that, and I'll say it again. Some who may not have heard it. The one time when I got pulled over by a cop, got my car take towed away, and I wanted to sue the cops, and making a long story short, and I wanted to litigate against them. So I go to the, I go to the supreme authority, I go to God, I go to Elohim. What do you want me to do? Teach me how to litigate against them. And then I got a, a, a pang in my mind. Forgive them, write a letter, forgive them, send them a Bible, and then give them the law you're talking about. I, I didn't have that on my mind. I had, I had retribution on my mind. I wanted to get justice. But Jesus had other plans. So I, I, either I do what he says or I don't. I'm proclaiming to be a believer and follower of him, and I'm his servant, then I have to do that. But you know, it leads to something else that, I mean, serving him is really a joy. It was a trip doing that. Just to see if there was going to be any reaction or, or how they would react. You know, I gave him my address. I never went to court. There was a warrant out for my arrest. They had my address. They never came to pick me up. I looked at that as, as divine protection. I mean, anybody could balk at that, but but that, that's the whole that's the whole whole point I'm I'm trying to make. Anyway, if anybody else wants to chime in, there's not much to add to that. Peter. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, the that show was, is over, Peter. The show's over. Well, I mean, that's it. You know, you pick a topic, you do a show, and and. I haven't looked to see who else is on the call because I'm, I'm doing a blog right now for uh, Bill and Maria and, and Chris up in Alaska. So, but I'm listening and I'm paying close attention because this is really important stuff. And if, you know, I'll mute out and let other people speak, but it, this is really, really good for me to hear. It's very, it is exactly what I agree with. I hope that the D2 thing, the Dragon group, uh, which you know, they don't seem to be following along, and I have no problem redirecting that group in this direction because this is exactly why I started the group in the first place. I just have a question for some people. Do you have an answer, great, or, or a perspective? What, and we'll just limit it to this country that we're in. I would say is this, so. You would say so, okay. Why, why, why would you say we're in a mess? Well, I think we're in the same place that the children of Israel were when they were wandering out through the desert and they started complaining. They didn't want to gather straw and make bricks, but they liked the leeks and onions from Egypt. So they wanted to be uh, out of Egypt and be free, but they didn't want to do what their father had heaven told them. They didn't want to eat manna. Uh, and I think that's where we're at. We're just in a selfish position where it's all about what we want and every. Every time we get uh, efflu or affluent, then we we tend to just walk away from our Heavenly Father and, and just abandon Him and go straight to the things of this world and start worshiping a mammon. And I think that it's happened, you know, it happened over and over and over again in the Old Testament, and we do the same thing now. I mean, I think there were some times in this uh, country's history, I'll use country for lack of a better word, but 
you know, that we did kind of come together and, and really focus on uh, our father and everybody was reading the scriptures and there was, you know, this, there was just a bunch of good, again, for lack of a better word, good godly people here. And, you know, but we've had our times when we've drifted away as well. And I think this is a, a pretty big drift. I know that there's a lot of people that I've talked to that are kind of in the same position where we are. We're, you know, fed up with the, with the, uh, I don't know, cultural uh, vibe of the church and the, you know, the rock bands and the big buildings and the fancy stuff and all the, you know, it's turned into a dog and pony show when it should be us going to our prayer closets. I think that's more what our Heavenly Father wants than the dog and pony show is that personal relationship and people sacrifice that for, oh, look at me, I'm dressed up really nice and I'm going to church and I got my flashy car and my bling on and it's just absolutely not the direction he wants us to go. And, you know, and I'm kind of with you, like once you start to read and find out what these scriptures actually mean and what these words actually mean, then it, I don't see how you can not, you know, have your eyes opened unless you just don't really care, so. Yeah, well, that seems to be the spirit. Again, a good barometer is just my dealings with other believers and their position to not want to do anything, where comfort and convenience is more important than learning the truth and doing something about it. and. You know, I don't have a problem with comfort and convenience. If it's at the expense of learning the truth and doing the truth, then it's a problem. And we just become perpetrators of the fraud and the evil and the wickedness. Even though we get together and do church, which I haven't done that in a few years, you know, my beliefs of, of just how all that system works. And it's not the fact that people are ignorant because we're all ignorant at some point. And we have, and hopefully we come to a point where we learn not to be ignorant of those things that Elohim wants to teach us. I don't even see the pang of like, really? Is this true? Because I didn't know about incorporation churches and what that was all involved and still, until I start, started studying it. It was just part of the web when I started studying income taxes and licenses, that just came around and I'm like, but it's the attitude of like, really? I want to know more. It's not even the issue of at the time doing anything about it. It's just desiring to know what the truth is and then seeing if Elohim wants you to do anything about it. I mean, that's the big difference. But e- even if people just got to know it and learn how to just come out of it and just come out of it by faith, I believe then the Lord would would move a lot more. I don't I don't think he's he wants to move, but he can't move because of the lack of faith. And not having faith in that will keep you ignorant. Just because you walk around with the Bible and go to church, I know people go to church all the time, but they don't bother looking in the Word and dissecting it and finding. They're not lovers of the Word. That's what I found when I did this uh, small group kind of Bible study thing over here. I just you would. You know, you read a bunch of scriptures that where uh, the Messiah is actually talking to us and telling us how he wants us to live, 
And then people are like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then they walk out the door, and it's like they don't give it a second. It doesn't prick their heart. It doesn't make them think, holy crud, do I need to really give up everything and have that much faith? And do I, you know, like when I read that, what he says, that drives me. That makes me want to change my life, you know, and walk out of Babylon. I, the only place I've ever found that is with you guys. <laughs> that's why there's eight people on the call instead of two million. <laughs> Maybe you guys need to move to Pennsylvania to start a fellowship. <laughs> well, and you well, talk about, oh, you haven't gone to church. Well, I went to church tonight. Well, right here. you know what I mean. It's like there's, there's yeah, no. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's not, there's not a family of believers that have the same core beliefs and are willing to do something about it. Like, it's different. If I, if I go to a church and the pastor believes, you know, it's not incorporated, but does the does the does the congregation know as well? For these things that deal with the higher liberty, or we see this all the time in media, and we hear it all the time. One of the descriptions of the character of this nation is that it's the home of the land of the free, home of the brave. Especially the Super Bowl, everybody's chanting. Or the president, he's the the leader of the free world. All that is just just smoke and mirrors because it's not true. But it, it's the fact of, are we willing to know what those liberties are? Like, I have a buddy of mine. He has, you know, he loves to fish. I'm like, dude, when are you getting rid of that fishing license? And it's back to my first program. It's either faith or fear. I'm like, go out there and fish because Elohim's giving you the permission to do it. You don't need authority from anybody else, especially someone who's imposing a false authority that doesn't even believe in Elohim. Are you going to be so bold to live that way that you don't care what happens, but you're going to stand for the truth? Yeah, they may take you and haul you away and throw you in jail. You guys know the story about John Bunyan? Not Paul Bunyan, Jack. John Bunyan. It was back in the 1500s. He was a preacher. Now, he'd go out and do open-air preaching in the parks and on the streets. Well, the government in England said, you can't do that. You need a license. I don't know. The cost was like two shillings. It wasn't even, you know, the cost was minimal. And he refused to get a license. And he still went out there and preached. And they kept telling him, you need to get a license. If you don't get a license, we're going to lock you up. We're going to throw you in prison. He kept preaching. What do you think happened to him? Got locked up. Got locked up for 12 years. For not getting a license to do what Elohim commanded him to do already. You see that there's, there's a battle of kingdoms today. Kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. But are we willing to say, you know what? I'm going to go down that road without a license. I don't need insurance because Elohim's he's my insurance agent. I don't need to register the property that Elohim. Now I'm just bringing it home because this is where my mind's at. I don't need your permission, whoever you're saying, that you or an authority over me. I'm telling you, you don't have authority over me. This is who has authority over me, regardless of the consequences. You know, if they're going to take the car, then I'm just like, okay, Elohim, that was his will to take the car because it belongs to him anyways. So he has some sort of plan. He has some sort of reason. Am I holding so tight to it that I'm afraid I'm going to lose it? That, oh, we don't even give, we don't even give Elohim the chance to do his miraculous awesome work in our lives because we're too afraid anything's going to happen. Look at Job. The Lord allowed him to be decimated. And at the end, he 
he blessed them more than he was at the beginning. You know, we need to just not look at what might be. I mean, look at believers. We're not even talking about, I'm getting into sort of digressing. But I mean, it's a, it's a good example. Like believers who are persecuted for even sharing the gospel. They're not even like, you know, going down a road without a license. They're just preaching the gospel. They get thrown in jail or they get beat up. Yeah, it's crazy. You're absolutely right. The reason that we're in such a bad way is because people just don't care about anything but themselves. They're afraid of losing their toys. They're totally worshiping mammon, and they're not worshiping their Heavenly Father. Right, and you know, and I don't want to sound, I don't want to be condemning anybody. I just get fired up sometimes. It should be an encouragement to, I mean, don't you want to see how the Lord's going to work in your life? Whether it's, you look at it being miraculous or whatever. But it's interesting because when I first started going through the stuff back in 2008, and I was, I was learning this stuff, it was like a whirlwind. Elohim was moving me so fast through all these things. And I was just, it's like one of those things, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like, it's like you're doing stuff, but you're being so helped from the Lord that it's easy and you're just rolling through it. And it's amazing. All the stuff that I've been through, I'm looking back and I'm like, it's amazing. I took on the IRS, the notorious, infamous IRS, and I won. And I'm scratching my head. I'm like, how can that possibly be? And the only thing I'm thinking, because I stood on the truth, and I'm, I was willing to say, you know what? It, that, what they're, I was accused of people breaking the law, you're rocking the boat, you're going to go to jail all this stuff that people say to get you to stop and you know, to try to infer fear in your life so you do what they want you to do. And I was like, no, what they're doing is wrong, plain and simple. Even if they throw me in jail, that doesn't mean they're right unless they prove they're right. So, you know, I think we need to have such well, bold hey, attitude. Hey, Peter, Yo. before you keep going, uh, ah. you, said, you said unless they prove they're right. Even if they prove they're right, who's gonna who's who's allowed to be a judge? Don't they have to meet the same criteria as the government? Yeah. You know, so the jury, the jury that's sitting there in judgment of you, even if they agree with the government, if they're all corrupt, that that doesn't mean they're correct. They're they're still wrong. Exactly. I still I still stand by my statement, unless they're okay. right but they're not right. If they're right, I tell people, okay, it doesn't matter if it's government ain't could do this, you know, time. Like if you could prove that you have support from the law, I'll pay you. But they're not right. They'll never be right. Because even if they look at statutes and stuff, they're outside of the will of the Supreme authority. So they're not right. They could, again, like you say, they can run roughshod over you. But like, for example, my, my point of view is, well, they're only allowed to run rough shot over me if the Lord allows them, and it's for a particular reason. And why I believe that way is because what it says in his word. Sometimes God calls us to do things that may not seem humanly understandable. If we know it's God's will, we do it by faith and, and leave the rest in his hands. And, and that's just been my attitude. And it's, and it's the Lord's delivered me out of a lot. Yeah, I just I just share from experience because, yeah, I, I don't think we we 
really allow Elohim to do what he really wants to do in our lives. I think we tie, tie his hands, but anthropomorphically saying, screw that word up, tying his hands behind his back. God, I, I, I mean, think you're right. I'm, I'm certainly guilty of it. And we're all guilty of it, but it's the, it's the issue of not remaining in that place. Yeah, well, you know, for a guy with such a big mouth like I do and all the stuff that I post, you would think there'd be more action to back it up. And so I'm definitely, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot more expectation of me to peace through than there is for the average guy who's just still wandering around in the wilderness. I've got websites and blogs and all sorts of stuff I'm doing, and I'm still, I'm still holding back. And it's just... It's a, it's a battle. It's a battle that I have personally. I know that. Yeah, but you know what I mean? If you if you just stay in that word, really want to know what he's saying to you, he's going to make his will known. I, I can't tell you how that is, but there's sometimes when I be – like, for example, uh, I just want to show share one scripture that had a big impact on me when I was going through all this stuff. And it's not like you have to go through stuff all the time continually, but whatever you go through – it's really Elohim's bringing you to the point to exercise faith because through that exercising faith, you're going to glorify him because as you guys hear me, I'm not, I don't take the credit for any of this stuff. That's why I point to the scripture. That's why I point to him because he's the source of all things. He, if he does it for me, I'll do it for anybody. In Proverbs 14, 26, it says, uh, in the fear of the eternal is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Another one is Proverbs 28.1. says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Paul prayed for boldness in preaching the word. Whatever we lack, we should pray for. And you need confidence. And you need boldness. And it's not an arrogant thing. It's not a conceited thing. But it's a humble thing. And when you have that confidence and that boldness, there's nothing, nothing can move you. Nothing. I mean, any day now, cop can knock on the door and go, you home, we have a warrant for your arrest. I could be living in fear. I mean, I could be like looking over my shoulder. I'm like, okay, when are they going to lay down the hammer? I look at those scriptures. I say, well, they got to get through my God first. They can get through my God first, then okay. And then I'm back to, like I said before, if that does happen, he has allowed it for a reason. Like when I got a car taken away or I got some other stuff taken away or some other stuff happened. I just, I just try to learn what, what can I learn from this? Why did it happen? Instead of getting emotional or irrational. Again, that's why I share so much scripture so you guys could hear it and see it and read it for yourselves and hopefully it'll encourage you because yeah, he's that last scripture break. was 28 6? 28.1. Oh, okay. Once you know who you are in Messiah, I'll tell you what, you know, he doesn't want us to walk around fearful and timid. And again, I'm not saying that we walk around being arrogant and uh, irresponsible and conceited. But when you understand who you are and you understand what he wants to give you and, and the power that we have, I mean, it's just incredible. Like, I have people tell me, man, you don't worry about anything. Because you know, that really at, messes people up. They're looking at my life. They're like, 
because I tell them about this stuff. And they're like thinking of themselves in that, like they're crapping in their pants. Why aren't you afraid? So th that's an opportunity to tell them, because my God's taught me this, this, and this, and this, and this is what I'm doing. That's why I'm not stressful. Oh, you got the IRS coming after you? Yes. Yeah, so what? I'm peaceful. It's nothing they can do to me. So what? They throw me in jail. It's not like I want to go to jail. But guess what? They throw me in jail. They're going to be in the gospel. <clears throat> that's the way I look at it. I look at these things as, as testifying to the greatness of our creator. Because mm -hmm. people need to hear that. They need to see it in action. You can't see it if you're sitting around in your rump. Uh, nothing's happening. But I think... Peter? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how long you want to go, but before you, you you kill the show, I'd really appreciate you explaining how this is not anarchy. This is you know, this is just proper authority in the way things are supposed to be. It's not any any form of anarchy whatsoever. It's not about chaos. It's you know, this is not going to create chaos. Do you want me to explain how it's not? Well. Well, uh, just to, just explain that you know we're not seeking chaos, we're not seeking right. anarchy. You know, we we have something else that is without the United States, without the yeah. you know quote unquote supreme law of the land, which right. has nothing to do with us anyway. I mean, that's that's meant to be that's a contract between the states. Well, that's interesting in itself. I, I shared this on the last program. And this is my view, but I believe every form of government, no matter what it is, no matter what you call it, a democracy, a oligarchy, communist, whatever, they're all theocracies because they're setting themselves up as the supreme authority. In this country, the federal government sets itself up as a theocracy, it says it right in the Constitution, the supreme law of the land. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land. And it's the people who are in authority. That is a theocracy. Because they're putting them forth is they're the authority. Where do they go when something happens? They go, they should go to the Constitution or their statutes. But they reject the supreme authority. I tell people, because that's what people think, well, you don't have a law, and you just have anarchy. And anarchy just simply means doesn't mean there's no law. It means there's no ruler. I just tell people I'm under a, an a higher authority. And then I tell them that a higher authority is someone moving stuff in the background. That you, Sorry, that's got to be – that's you. That was you, me. You're the only one here. <laughs> yeah. I'm muting you, Eric. <laughs> you're muted. But anyway, I tell people um, – and it gives us the great opportunity to tell people we're under a higher authority. But I don't stop there. I tell him what that high authority is and what he requires. Like, for example, mm -hmm. I say a lot of the times, like, I'm under the law of love. I'm under the greatest commandment. And I usually ask people, well, do you know what the greatest commandment is? And then I'm, they tell them, I'm under the commandment to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that leads me to love my neighbor as myself. And the scriptures say that if one loves according to the law of the supreme authority, he works no ill to his neighbor, and he has fulfilled the law. Plain and simple. See how simple that is? That is the higher authority. And if we all live that way, we don't need all this other nonsense. Yeah, and because Jeff, not... you know, you're talking about uh, well, you're talking about the uh, 
anarchy and all that. You know, at the time when the Israelites lived under the rule of the under the laws of Moses with the judges, they didn't have a king and they didn't have, you know, they there was kind of a they were kind of self-governed, but they they had their law form and that was the <clears> law that their heavenly father gave to them. And they didn't really need anything else until they got all puffed up and wanted a king of their own. You know, there's there was nothing wrong with that system where okay, yeah, you have your your judge and then you know first you go to your neighbor and then you go to with a witness and then you know just like jesus explained in matthew it, it, we don't have to have a king we don't have to have a ruler we don't have to have a, a constitution because we already have the scriptures like why can't that be our constitution exactly right but people don't believe that got a lot of elohim's own people don't believe that now, I'm not saying like people who go to these state, I call them state incorporated nonprofit organizations. I'm not saying there's no believers in there. I'm not saying they're all unbelievers. So when I say Elohim's people, Elohim's people, they, they, don't, they don't do that. They get trapped in because they have the mentality that a group of people vote these people in to be some sort of authority is actually a legitimate authority because their whole mentality they don't really understand the supreme authority and how his law works. Like, like we're just talking about love. A lot of people walk around. They, they, they say, that'd be a good program to go over because a lot of people don't even know what that means. And I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I know what it means according to the word of God. I mean, just saying love is not enough. We have to know what that love is. Maybe it'll be in the next program because that's vitally important how we deal with one another. If we don't know how to execute that love, because every law has an action, is government authority and action, government rule, the rule and action. That law is a rule that has to be put into action. I, I'm going off now, but yeah, that's that's how we that's how we that's how I answer the the issue of what do we do if we didn't have human government or these laws. That's what I that's what I, that's my response. Yeah. Hey, uh, I don't know if, uh, if you mind uh, mentioning or if you'd like me to about Redress for Dummies and the page you have there and the topics you have, uh, sub-pages to and so on, but the, the oh, Redress okay. for Dummies website has a, uh, a thing you can click on to follow Redress for Dummies, and when I do blogs for Peter or or Maria and Chris and, and different people I work with. Uh, if you if you've clicked on that and added your email, you you do get um, a notice in your email a couple hours before the show. Hopefully, you know more than that, but um, about about the show and the topic that's going to be covered. Yeah, appreciate that. So you have to think about what do you, I mean? What are we all going to do when we get off this call? You know, we're gonna. The first thing, how is how how are one going to go about this and learn about this and and whatnot? If anybody has, has any questions, even about how to go about learning some of this stuff, ask away. I see a bunch of people are just looking on here. They're not doesn't seem like they're part of the call, or maybe they see some stuff put in the chat. Well, typically, uh, I've noticed over the years that these calls is people tend to listen, they absorb, and and over time, they formulate their own thoughts. You know, so you're jogging things around in their minds, and 
and it stretches them out. And so they're, they're in deep thought contemplation as they listen to this. And it, it takes a while to sort that all out. It really oh, does. Absolutely. Especially, absolutely. Especially new ideas like that or new ways yeah. of looking at things. So is there anybody um, that has some different perspective or a contrary perspective? I promise not to yell at you. You know, in dealing, dealing with Romans 13 for me, uh, it, it took some time to really, really deal with it because you, you have that typical interpretation, like I mentioned earlier in the program, that may take a little bit to overcome. The best way I found out is getting into those words, especially uh, it really hit home to me when I really dug into verse one and verse four, you know, when I mentioned about the typical understanding of verse one is let every subject be subject to the, the higher powers. And just fleshly, the way we're indoctrinated, even not even in the word, just the way we, we grow up in the society to be indoctrinated that the governments that we see, the so-called governments we see today, that they are the highest powers, which is interesting because I'll say it again, just in case it was, it's forgotten, that word powers is very central because it could be translated as authority or jurisdiction. So you think in the higher powers, the higher authority, well, you got the federal government and you got the police and the courts and you have this and well, that seems like the higher authority. I'm not an authority. Well, they seem to be an authority, so I guess it's them. But it's looking at that word power and just substitute liberty in there or right. Remember what I mentioned earlier? It's having that liberty that gives you the power that right is the real power. That right is the higher authority. That liberty is the higher authority because that's how things operate in the kingdom. God gives the liberty. That is the higher power. That is what's higher. I was having trouble, I guess, there trying to explain. That is what's high. The liberty is that which is higher. That is the law. The liberty is the law. Like, for example, a perfect thing is we have the liberty to move on these roads in our private property without legislative restriction or decrees. You see how that, that liberty is higher than what the, ma what the man is producing? God has decreed the higher liberty that we could walk in. That's what that power is, not the statutes of men. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. That's a whole different way of looking at it. Because some people may look at, okay, you have the liberty to do that, but uh, really, do you have the liberty? Okay, if you're going to have the liberty, you're going to do that. Oh, they're going to throw you in jail. Oh, you're, being, you're still getting in trouble anyways, because they don't understand that what you're doing is you're doing what God has ordained. Now, check out I'm going back to this because I didn't focus on this part. If you go to verse two, I'm just thinking about this now, or verse, yeah, verse two. Check out the warning here. And all of the government inks or governments of the world are culpable in this one verse, by this one verse. It says, whosoever therefore resists that liberty resists the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. You've got a government or a corporation, doesn't matter, they're government. They are resisting the liberty. They're resisting the higher liberty that God's given to man. They're an impediment to that. So they're the ones who are really culpable, not the ones who are enjoying the liberty, which that's what we get from the churches. Does that make any sense? 
And it's funny because mm-hmm. when you read that at the beginning of the call, I wrote down color of law just to remind me to to mention that, you know, that's probably why they do everything under the color of law because they know that they're not the law <laughs> or that they're not using the law. I mean, that, that could be. So it's like they're it's like their get out of jail free card. They could say, oh, no, you know, once you come after them, they'll be like, oh, no, we just did that under color of law. We didn't say it was the real law. We just we, we just made you an offer. <laughs> we thought you might want to contract with us, so we just figured we'd offer you this. Which just think well, of, just even, think of the go ahead, Gus. Well, even under so color of law is illegal in their world and their statutes, codes, ordinances, you know, statutes at large, the US code, I mean everywhere color of law is literally acting without authority. And right. So yeah, for them. Yeah, go ahead, Peter. Sorry. No, that's okay. Because um, it's interesting when you talk about illegal or legal or licenses. It's funny how they're these people are giving the person, not even the man, the person, permission to do that which is illegal. So even in their system of of thought, the activity being done, it's illegal whether you have a license or not, like a marriage license. So they call marriage illegal. Fishing, they say fishing's illegal. But in verse two in Romans 13, think about it from a incorporated church point of view. The man who wants to learn the higher liberty that Elohim gives, the brother who's a status believer says, hey buddy, you're gonna receive to yourself damnation because you resist, because he doesn't understand that the power being said here is the liberty that Elohim freely gives. I I think I'm just being redundant now. (laughs) But I think this is very important because having the right interpretation should have, if you don't have, whatever interpretation you have, it's gonna have that effect on your life. Like status Christians believe that Government Inc. is the authority. So they pay their taxes, they have their license, they may grumble about it, but they do it because that's what they believe it is. What I'm trying to show what I've learned is that that's not the case. For you, Eric, for you, Gus, for all of you on call, Elohim's already giving you the liberty. You just need to exercise faith and enjoy that. Enjoy that liberty. People ask, why don't you have a driver's license? I say, because I'm free. I say, I'm just enjoying what Elohim's giving me. I don't even need to point to any law, right? I don't need to point to any excuse. I just say, Elohim's giving me the right. He's giving me the liberty. Yeah, man. Hey, Peter, can I jump in here? No. Sure, go ahead. Absolutely. You, you know, these people are following man's law instead of God's law. And and the statists that feel that man's law is, is what we should live by, it's just part of the <clears throat> satanic deception. I mean, Satan has taken over everything, and the deception runs deep for most people, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it correlates with how it all began, with the adversary deceived Eve. Did God really say that? God's already given you, how can I put it? It's a matter, all of this is a matter of faith. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's really a test. Whoever the man or woman is, Elohim's going to give them the opportunity to say, hey, I have this liberty for you to walk in, but you're going to need faith. You're going to need to trust me on this one. You're not going to know all the the ins and outs right away. But this is what I'm calling you to do because this this is a primary principle of my kingdom. 
and I rule everything. If I'm telling you you have to exercise faith, that's why Jesus said, you're not going to do it by faith. Who cares? James says, faith without works is dead. Like when I got the wind of it, I don't have to pay income taxes. I mentioned that's how it all started. I was like, really? How can you not be curious to know that you have the freedom to not pay income taxes? That's so awesome. Why wouldn't you want to know that? But it takes faith fear. to learn that stuff and apply it. Fear takes over a lot of people. Yep. Yeah, that was my first program, uh, Faith or Fear. Peter, yeah. listen, uh, I just want to say something real quick and then get off the line here. Thank you so much for doing this. What you're doing is great, and it's and it's very much needed. And thank you for doing it. You're welcome. Who, who are we speaking to? My name's Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, man. Thank you is so this Chris, much. Is this Chris from Alaska? No. Yeah, this is Thanks Pink for, Floyd, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Yeah, unless somebody else uh, has anything you want to chime in on, or I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Uh, hey, Peter, I mean, you want me to throw lot. these other scriptures on here, the last two? You want me to just throw them into the chat? Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I, yeah, you can. I'm just going to attach all my notes. There's a quote on there and stuff. So if somebody wants to check it out at their own leisure, I could do that after the call ends. Can I? Or I have to do it now? Yeah, I don't know. We might have to ask us that. As, as long as you have not yet terminated the call, I think you can do it. But I'm not 100% positive. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just go do it now. I, I mean, I can just throw all this in, the rest of it, into the chat if you want. Yeah, you could do that. I'll, like I said, I'll also upload my notes. Yeah, I'm going to sign off, and we'll get together in a couple of weeks. I might have a brief lesson on love, and it's not the sappy, fuzzy love. Talking about, about tough love. No, not even tough love. It's it's kingdom <laughs> love, and it's, it's the proper love. And once you learn the mechanisms of that and practice applying it, things will definitely change in your life. But anyways, it's great talking to you guys tonight and I'll uh, see you in a couple weeks. Sounds Thanks, good. Peter. Thanks, All right, take Thanks, care. Thanks, Jeff. That concludes Episode 3, Part 2, Liberty Through Christ Law. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.